You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. All right, welcome back, everyone. It's Mike here with Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney on the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. This is episode number 36, part two, two in our tryout season series entitled Coaches. Um, before we get started, Jess, we're still doing our summer series promo codes, correct? We are. That's correct. We've got one going on right now and another one uh, July 31st to August 3rd. Um, that's going to be $25 off for that four-day session. The discount code on the website, www.fundamentalfastpitch.com, is going to be podcast in all capital letters with an exclamation point. Fantastic. Um, last time you guys heard us on the podcast, we talked about the players and trial seasons. Um, but now we're getting into the coaches, and who better to ask than uh, Coach Jess and Coach Heather. Ladies, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. All right. Now, Jessica, how are you doing? I was going to say, I'm, I'm great. I'm I'm glad that our summer series is indoors. I'll tell you that. It's a hot one. <laughs> Super hot. It <laughs> was very uncomfortable outside today. I am not going to sugarcoat any of that. But let's get straight out into tryout season. Um, part two of our series. We're going to, uh, you know, focus on the coaches now. Um, I mean, I'm going to let you guys just take this one and run with it. You you guys are auditioning prospective players, but not just the prospective players. I think as, if not equally as important, their families. What do you do to even begin navigating this treacherous road of uh, all the things, if you will? Yeah, I think as a coach, you guys have to remember that, um, you know, you are absolutely out there to evaluate and get to know some some new players or prospective new players. But um, you have to remember that you're also being watched, too. You know, the, the players are going to make a, a, an opinion of, of how how you coach them, how you approach them, whether you respected them or disrespected them. Um, and then you have a lot of eyes out there in the stands outside the fence just watching judging judging i think is the word looking for here that's appropriate yes and judging um so i mean i don't mean to like put tons of pressure on you but there is pressure on you you need to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward too and i think for me that starts with having a plan you know if you run out and have tryouts and you're just winging it and the kids are standing around and not doing much and they don't really know what they're you know what you're asking of them that's not a good look and you're not going to win many people over um, players or parents. So having a plan and knowing what you want to do um, is of utmost important importance. So we're talking about drills or are we talking about just the way it flows or all the things? All of it, you know, you got to have some drills. If that's, you know, if you have to know, are we, is this a tryout? Is this an open practice? How am I running this? Is this just strictly like a skills evaluation tryout or do I want to have a practice and so I can see how these kids will interact with coaching style and the other players on the team and whatnot. So that's part of having a plan, know what your goals are and then plan accordingly. Do you have a preference as it pertains to this, Heather? Um, I think there's a place for both. Um, I definitely, I think I would probably prefer the open practice because it is more conducive to the interaction between the players and, and coaches, as well as between the players, um, you know, the new prospective players and the established players. And I think that's important to, to see how those, um, those relationships kind of build and mesh and see how that chemistry builds up. So I see right here in the, the run sheet, it says live hitting. Fantastic idea. 
joking aside, no live hitting. That's probably at the top of the list for a reason. That's right. No live hitting because it takes too much time. You want to get into that, Jess? I mean, I think that you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It, 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 when I'm running not only my team practices, but tryouts, open practices, like Heather said, you got to have a plan. Um, I love stations, um, quick moving drills. I think it's all about efficiency so that you can maximize the amount of reps that the players um, are getting so that you have an adequate amount of reps to formulate an opinion, um, kind of see what you think, what you like. But live hitting, it's just, it's slow. There's too much downtime. Um, there's not a lot going on. It's lit- you have, If you have a group of people, it's essentially one person at a time. And that just... It, it, it just, to me, it's not a good idea. Now, when I say no life hitting, I'm, if you have a machine or let's say you have a, you happen to have a facility or several cages available, that's different. Put them on a machine that can give you more consistent pitches um, where it's like, okay, you're on the machine, you get seven cuts. That's a different story than having even a coach throw live where there's just so much room for just different results, not even necessarily error, just um, inconsistencies, if you will. So, um, I, as a coach really, really like stations, small group work. Um, one that kind of allows you to split girls into smaller, like more focused groups. So you can really be hands-on with one group at a time and really give those players like your full focus and full attention, as opposed to trying to watch maybe 20, 30 girls at once. Um, and then also it also it, it gives you times for break or some downtime so you can kind of plan your practice or your tryout accordingly. If you have a, a station that let's say it's like um, a pretty labor intensive or a fast moving like ground ball drill, but then you want to send them to a bunt station. So you kind of give them some time to recover and catch their breath in between stations, still focused, but not where it's boom, 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 one after the other. All right, let's get into some examples of those good drills for tryouts. To everybody's surprise, I'm going to go infield for Heather and outfield for Jess. Um, <laughs> you want to go one by one of what we have on the sheet and kind of give maybe a quick example of what they may consist of looking like? Yeah, so infield, some examples are, you know, anything in my mind, anything that's going to give you lots of reps because no one wants to go to a tryout or an open practice and get three ground balls and, you know, be judged based on that performance. You know, that doesn't really tell you anything. So we're looking for reps. So some things to get reps are um, crossfire where you might have uh, a, a lined up, uh, you know, split your players lined up at like shortstop and second base and coaches just hitting balls, alternating back and forth. And you're throwing the ball in either to a catcher at, at home or to first. There's lots of ways you can do it, but that's a good way to get lots of reps. Um, coaches hitting the balls and also um, taking the time to, to watch the way the fielders are fielding the ball so you can see what's going on um, and make some evaluations. Um, belly ups are a really good one. Um, like, like the, like the, like it's named, you start on your belly and you get up. Um, so when coach starts moving to hit the ball player gets up from their belly and, and it, the, the goal is to get up from your belly and continue that forward momentum through fielding the ball and making a throw. Um, another really good one for reps. Um, and then once you kind of cover the rep spaces, you might want to see how they would handle situations or more situational work so you could put them through the infield and you know try to make the play at one or turn a double play um those are going to be 
uh, drills that you can do at a little bit of a faster pace so you can increase the reps. But if you need to, like if it's more of an open practice setup, you can take the time to provide some instruction as well. All right, Coach Jess, we will go ahead and skip to you and uh, keep you on the grass. What about outfield drills? Uh, first off, thank you for that, Mike. That is definitely where I'm most comfortable. Um, outfield. I don't know. Thing. I saw you warming up some of our pitchers this weekend. I was hustling to try to get a picture of Jessica catching, but alas, it did not happen, unfortunately. Yeah, that's probably because about at that time, a uh, pitcher threw me a drop ball and I was done. <laughs> I I opted out of that one. So um, when it comes to outfield, same thing, maximum efficiency, fast moving. I'm looking for footwork. I'm looking for reads, um, first steps, reads, how we get to a ball, arm strength. Those are things that are going to be important and then speed as well. But those are really big things that I'm looking for in outfielders. So um, anything footwork. So football drills, those are going to be your drop step drills, your change of direction, um, reads off the bat, um, reactive drills where you're maybe turned around and then coach says like ball and you jump forward and then kind of, uh, they throw a ball and you're looking for a good first step. So anything where we're, like I said, focused on footwork and paths to the ball. Um, another one's going to be W's. So, um, it's actually W's and M's. So if you can imagine, maybe even hold three fingers up so you can kind of see what it looks like, but you have players that are going to get four balls. They're going to start away from you. That's the top of your W. Um, they're going to run in for a short, like a short toss where they're hopefully they're going to slide dive or scoop the ball and then toss it to you quickly, get up, drop step over their left shoulder for um, a ball that's kind of over their head, plant, catch, throw the ball in, um, come towards you for the for that thir uh, third ball. That's going to be the bottom of the, the second W. Um, again, short toss for a dive, dive, slide, or scoop. And then same thing, getting up for a ball over their shoulder, planting and throwing. So it's tons of change of direction. It's tons of reads. It's um, all out sprint the entire time. That is not a drill that you're going to do at 50 or even 60, 75%. That is max out on effort. And then it also just shows you what they're willing to do to make a play. If the ball's short, do they slide for it, dive for it, try to scoop it? Or do they just say like, oh, I can't catch it, give up and go to the next one. So those are things that I'm looking for on that as well. And then you can change your W's to an M by having them start at the bottom and then go to the top, bottom, top, and then bottom to finish. So um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, another one similar to that is going to be crosses. So you essentially have them start on one side of you. I typically like to have them start on, since most people are going to be right-handed, I have them start on um, my left facing me, and then they would run glove side kind of straight across in a line for a line drive on the run, toss it, go back for another line drive on the run, and then drop step for a ball behind them over their head, and then come up for a sh another short toss. So again, um, a good high efficiency drill where they're moving, they're running, they're working hard, lots of change of direction, but um, it gives you a chance to focus on them one rep at a time. They get four balls in like one turn. So they're get maximizing those reps and you can kind of see again, what they're willing to do to make the play. Um, another one is just general like balls off the bat. So putting outfielders in positions, um, put a group in left, put a group in center, put a group in right. Um, this can get a little bit monotonous and slow. So when I do this, I will tell my girls like, Hey, um, here's what we're doing. Here's what 
you're doing, you're throwing it to bases. So um, this entire first round, every single outfielder, I want to see you throw to first base. Next round, I want to see you throw to second base. Next round, I want to see you throw to third base. Next round, I want to see you throw all the way home. And so everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's throwing to the same bag. But this this tells you exactly where you want it. You're not necessarily reading runners or anything like that. You're just looking for their first step from a ball off the bat, uh, their arm strength, um, just their accuracy on being able to throw um, to a target. And then you can, you can go one to the other. Okay. Right field, hit them a ball. As soon as they get it and they go to throw next ball is coming to center. Next ball is coming to left. So this also keeps them engaged. It has them paying attention. There's minimal standing around. Um, and then it just, it gives you good genuine reads on their reads and first steps on balls off the bat. Um, and then, like I said, you can combine that with throwing to bases or throwing to targets. Um, I like to do one where I'd put a bucket out either on a base or even right at the pitcher's mound to see who could throw it in and hit the bucket just to give them something concrete to aim for. Um, but without build drills, again, with anything high efficiency, lots of reps, change of direction, footwork and arm strength. So. I love it. I like literally had two or three questions I was going to ask you, but you just continue to blow past them as they were coming up. But I do have a off topic question for Heather in a second. Friendship check, if you will. And for Jess now, not missing your cut. I will have a question for you just first missing a cut's one thing, but as an outfielder and as a coach, if you're overthrowing your cut, is that selfish softball? Are you asking me? I am asking you. Oh, okay. Like not um, missing a cut because missing a cut happens, right? But if if you're if you're overthrowing a cut, like say you can make the throw, like is that selfish softball? I think it's it could be. It certainly could be, but without knowing necessarily the the child or the situation. Don't ask I think me for a situation because I'm going to break it down for and I'm going to do it all. Don't, don't, don't ask me. I think it's also probably a lack of understanding because there are certain instances, for example, if there's a runner at third base and the catcher is yelling like four, 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 there is absolutely, and like, no, and the, and the ball's in the air. Let's say they're tagging and I'm an outfielder and the ball's in the air. There are absolutely no other runners to consider as an outfielder. I am airmailing that ball all the way home and I'm trying to put it in the catcher's glove on like in the air on a line for the tag because there is no need for a cut. So I think especially with our younger audience, like not hitting a cut and versus like not needing a cut, that's kind of a different conversation now. Um, part of that also is the maybe lack of communication from a catcher. Let's say at a younger age, if the catcher is yelling four, 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 and not yelling cut four, cut four, cut three, cut something, then to me, that's a catcher telling my outfielder, like, hey, get me the ball. Like, we don't need a cut. Like, obviously, you're going to want to encourage your players to throw more of a line drive through a cut, like where if if the catcher changed their call, they could put a glove on it and yeah. redirect the ball. But I'm going to put some of that on the catcher too. If if I'm looking up and I know where my runners are and I'm coming to throw the ball and I don't hear cut anything, I'm putting it straight on a line to where I think the ball needs to go. Coach Heather, you're catching, ball's coming in, you're playing turf. Do you want it in the air or do you want to bounce? I mean, it's it's all according to the situation, I think. I mean, I I always want it, – it's always easier to catch it in the air. But, you know, you have to consider, you know, where the throw is coming from exactly, who's throwing it. You know, there's nothing wrong with a bounce throw. I'm going to I'm gonna add to that, too. There's a difference in in the air, like 
over my head where I where a catcher has to go get the ball and bring it all the way back down from outer space versus when the ball's like in the air at my thigh or at my knee and I'm literally in the perfect position as a catcher to make a tag. So when I say like all the way in the air from the outfield, I'm not saying like to throw it where the, the catcher's catching it standing up above their head. Like I'm still wanting it on a line for a tag on a play at the plate, but not necessarily worried about if I miss my cut. And I, I, t- I mean, I'm going to tell my outfielders all the time, like you always want to miss low because even if it's like a tag at first, second, third play the play, it doesn't matter. We can't, we have no chance at making a play on a ball over, over our head. That's, that's too high to go get it. It takes too long to go get it and come down with it um, and have it under control. And then on top of that too, if it's too high, then we can't, we literally can't touch it. Like, so knowing if it's going to be a play that requires a tag on a runner lower is always going to be your best bet. I'm going to make fun of you right now, but I absolutely love how passionate you are about explaining where you want the throw. Like I really do. I, it's, 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 it's fantastic, Jessica. Um, before it's a we, big deal. No, I can, I can, <laughs> just, I, I, can I, I, I can tell I'm a little. Also, let me, let I'm, me add this. Let me add this for you too. That's a whole nother perspective. Like me and Heather are friends. If Heather's catching and I'm playing in the outfield, I don't want her to get trucked. So in that instance, I'm going to put it to where I'm helping her work with a low throw where she's not in a position that a runner could come in like standing up and harm her. That's a whole nother avenue. And if you're not getting along with your catcher, you might put it somewhere else. Uh, I I um, wouldn't because I'm not that kind of player, but there is potential. I guess that to happen. Um, I and I before we move on, I have to ask Heather a question. Heather, when Jess asked you to put up three fingers, which three fingers did you put up? I didn't do it the catcher way because I was making a W. Moving on. Um, <laughs> the, the, the respect has just went from like a ten and a half to like a ten and a quarter. Just so you're aware, all out right. of a ten, Maybe. it's all right. It's okay. But the fact that you knew what I was going for, I guess, bumps it back up to ten and a half. So you're okay. <laughs> Um, now as far as hitting goes for, for tryout seasons, um, but Hey, for the record, when you're calling pitches, it's definitely the catcher way, right? Absolutely. Okay. I've seen Jessica, so I'm moving on. Um, hitting Jessica, do you want to take this? I do it the catcher way. I've seen it. I've seen it both ways, Jess. It, it strains my ring finger when I try to do the W it hurts me. I'm just saying I've seen it both ways. I'm just, that's all I'm saying. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was a, I double taked. I'm not even going to lie. Um, do you want hitting Jess or do you want base running? Um, I want base running. Okay. Coach Heather, hitting, ready, go. All right. So hitting, we already, we already talked about the big no, no, no live. Just takes too long. But in, in place of that, um, there are, plenty of things you can do stations can be good um if you're if you're coaching you have maybe a bunting station a t-station soft toss um that's something you want to get help with so that you can you either you either want to get help with so you can walk around and observe and, and help and coach um and see all the all the players um do their thing or you need to make sure that you have enough time to rotate everybody through and to where you as the coach have a, an opportunity to make a fair in, in um, evaluation about uh, the, the hitting with enough time to actually pay attention, not just throw them, you know, four quick soft tosses and be done. 
So um, either get some help so you can rove around and, and, and observe or make sure you have enough time. Um, I think I would prefer to get some help um, because hitting is one of those things we talked about. It just takes so much time. And if you really, it can really bog down a practice and slow things down and you can kind of, kind of lose that, that groove, that mojo, that uh, flow of a good practice. Um, if, if things are lagging because of hitting, um, definitely, um, think about a front toss, um, either with, um, heavy balls, real balls, whatever, whatever you think makes the most sense for the flow of your practice, but definitely do some front toss so that you can see how a player tracks the ball, um, and has, you know, their timing and how they're able to, attack a ball that is moving at them. I mean, you can see tons from T drills and soft, soft toss, but those are definitely some of the, the easier things to see, you know, the actual form of the swing and not the, the tracking of the ball. So definitely want to see some front toss. And then one of the things that you may not necessarily think about when you're thinking about hitting is, you know, you just hit all those balls. They have to be picked up. Somebody needs to shag. So either have some active shagging where your players that are not hitting or out there shagging as the balls are being hit or, and, or when the balls have been hit and it's time to go pick up all the balls and put them in the bucket, um, pay attention. Don't just check out and wait for them, wait for the bucket of balls to get back to you, but pay attention and see which ones, which of the players are, you know, hustling to go and, and pick up balls and which ones are, you know, trying to not trying to hide and not have to pick up any balls. Um, that'll tell you a lot about how a player is going to approach the game, approach practice, what kind of teammate they're going to be. Um, so always be observing. I'm not going to lie. I don't have many for for uh, the sake of, I forgot the name of the podcast, but softball X. But that's definitely one of mine when the same children continuously pick up the balls at every single practice. Yeah, it's become a real sore spot of late. And um, it's something that, you know, it's just not a, it's not, you're not being a team player if you're just kind of hiding out, trying not to pick up any balls. And nobody likes to shag. Nobody likes to go pick up the balls. I but... like to shag, Heather. I'm not no, gonna lie. Coach Heather. Good. Yeah, Heather, do. do you like to shag? I like to shag too. What are you talking about, Heather? Children do. Who don't like to shag. But yeah. I understand. I understand it can get monotonous, especially if you know you've been out there for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and you know if the pace isn't quick enough, or maybe the balls are all being hit in the same spot, or you know what have you. It can get boring um, if it's if it's not action packed. So. Um, Nobody loves to shag, but it is an important part of the game of practice because it's hard to practice without a bucket of balls. <laughs> uh, all right. Base hey, running. Heather, you want to share with our friends what um, I do if someone's not helping to pick up? Oh, well, then you everyone else gets to stop and, and you get to go pick up. <laughs> uh, or in recent yeah. cases, you just take whatever ball you can and hit it as far as you can to the fence and have those and players go pick up those. Or pour the bucket out, right? Well, you know, that was that was conditioning the other night. Um, all the coaches emptied the buckets into the outfield. We, we got to have fun and throw them out there. And they ran yeah. out and, and took you them out one by mean, one. You know, it's so funny. On my drive home that night, uh, Ethan was like, conditioning was amazing. I was like, all right. Like, apparently that was a win. It, it wasn't It wasn't bats. So apparently the balls are okay and you know it was really fun to see which girls went to the short ones first and which one's strategy was to go to the furthest ones first um it's it's just fun. it's funny watching the and the and the communication's terrible like it's kind of like they're trying to strategize before how they're gonna do it and they're just it's it was a hot it, it, it was a hot mess but it was it was fun watching the girls try to figure that out on the fly 
Um, <laughs> as I digress, base running, Jessica. Yeah. So this one, um, not not too many things you can be do here. Um, there's obvious the the cat and mouse game, which is a good kind of end of tryout or practice for especially for our, our younger players because it's got some competitive spirit to it and um you can kind of see their base path how they around the corners if they're actually hitting the inside corner if they're touching the bag in general if they're landing on top of it so you kind of just see their mechanics there um i actually like to incorporate some base running at the beginning of practices or uh, tryouts where Whenever the girls are stretching, I'll run them through some agility lines for warm-ups. And then whenever they're good and loose and ready to run, I like to incorporate some steel starts. So having someone out in front of them, give them a wind-up and seeing, like, how they set up to run the bases. If they've got the correct feet forward, what their um, starting, like, base running stance is. And then run them through just some lead-offs, some straight steals, some delay steals, some dive-backs. Um, just to kind of one, get them loose, but also see one, if they even know what those things are, um, two, if they do them in my opinion correctly, and then three, who doesn't want to be last. Um, so I like to incorporate some base ring stuff at the beginning of tryouts and then, um, towards the end, or even as a station work, depending on how you outline your tryouts, um, timing your home to home or home to first, uh, you gotta be careful here. Cause again, this is one of those those things that takes a lot of time. So if you're going to do that, I would encourage you to do that as a station. So for example, maybe you have a bunting station, a, an outfield station, a hitting off T station, and then a base running on the field station. So you've got a much smaller group to work with and you don't have a bunch of people standing around, around getting distracted, not paying attention. Um, but those are, those are some ways that I like to incorporate base running, um, into specifically like a tryout. So, all right. If you had to choose one, what is something that you're looking more directly at? Some someone that on the on this specific drill set, um, someone who wants to be first or someone who doesn't want to be last. Someone who wants to be first. I want to um, win. No, yes, but not everybody is fast. But but they're not they're not going to be first. But I can tell you if they're trying. Right. I I, I can see it in the player when like in their face and their like expressions, like even if they know they're slow, if I say, hey, your goal is to win, like you're gonna obviously you're gonna see some that like the eye roll, the shrugs, like, well, that's not me. But you are also gonna see those that are like, okay, that's the goal probably not going to happen, but I'll give you what I got. Fair. I, I was just curious. Because um, if, if I, if, if you give me the other one that says the, the player that doesn't want to be last, my mind immediately goes to, okay, I'm going to do just enough to get by yeah. to not be last. I, right? no, I, my I mind know, didn't go there. No, it's nor did mine. I asked it from a, a, from a perspective with a slow child. So I was like, man, like, I know my kid runs hard. She doesn't want to be last. Like, like that's a win for her. You know what I mean? Trying to keep up with the other girls. That's, that's where my mind went, but I absolutely see what you're saying, Jess. And you could tell which kids have more to give and they're just doing just enough. To, to yes. You can, yeah. You can totally tell. And when you ask them that, Hey, is that as fast as you run? Is that as hard as you can go? Like for the most part, whether they answer you truthfully or not, you're also going to be able to see that in their expression as well. Oh yeah. 
especially the ones that that don't finish last still finish towards the front of the pack but they should be a far and away the first ones finishing right like yeah. so softball ignite I just had a fantastic idea that I will throw to the chat after the podcast because I don't want to give it away. Um, so, sorry, Mike that, wants that, to that, race. I <laughs> don't know. Go in. I think if we do distance running, I could keep up with you girls, but I'm not fast base to base. I'm not as as Heather can attribute to watching me play slow pitch. Um, the heart, the, the the heart wants what the heart wants, but the body doesn't know. I mean, what my second to third, I I definitely pick up speed between the bases as I'm running. But first, home to first is not good. The first step out <laughs> of the box is not great. Um, I I hit a ball yesterday. I was like, oh my god! Like it wasn't like a dropped fly ball. It was actually like a good hit. I was super impressed with myself. Um, <laughs> hey, before Mike, before we jump on to like our next topic, I also want to take just a second. So we talked about infield, outfield, hitting, and base running, but. Like I mentioned, for your pitchers and catchers, um, have them show up early or stay yes. late. Do not include that during your actual trial because you owe it to the players and their families to have like to give them your full focus and attention during that time, both for pitchers and catchers and for the other girls that are coming out. So I am always going to recommend to set aside some special time for pitchers and catchers, not only to focus on each particular skill, but also so you can have pitchers and catchers set up and working like next to each other and you can get a really good focused um lens of all of the girls there and their different skill sets what are and my i want to i want to rant for just a second uh, a catching a catching show <laughs> episode 36 uh we are 23 minutes and 94 seconds into the podcast and heather is about to rant i'm marking this one for edit go ahead <laughs> A catching trial is not just catching a bullpen for a catcher or a pitcher. That is, that's, I mean, that's part of it. You want to see how they catch and receive the ball, but it is not just simply saying, go put your gear on and catch. Um, that's, that's not, that you're not seeing anything about what that catcher can do. I know a lot of coaches don't have specialized catching experience, but you know what a catcher does. A catcher blocks, a catcher throws down, it does throw downs to each base, a catcher, um, you know, makes, plays at the plate, they communicate, they, they have lots of jobs. So even if you're not a specialized catching coach, you should be able to throw the ball in the dirt in front of them and see how they can block. You should be able to have the pitcher uh, throw them a ball and go to second base uh, and catch the ball for a throwdown. You know, if you can add in live runners as well, that's even better. Have them do pickoffs, you know, do, do something specialized for your catcher. You're going you're gonna to thank yourself later for going through that effort because then you're going to see which catcher is going to be able to, to run a game, which catcher is going to be proficient in, the, in those skills, which catcher is going to be willing to try to, to block a ball um, and put their body, uh, you know, not consider their body and, and, and put the game ahead of it at, at times. Um, you're going to see a whole lot more than if you just tell them, put your gear on and go catch that pitcher. That's, that's not a catching tryout. No, and you could, you know, if you you sign on for a season with a catcher that you don't properly test the waters with, it could leave your team kind of in a bad position as well. Um, um, but since Heather has all of like five or five minutes left, do you guys want to get into what you're talking to about the parents and players after the tryouts? You know what, Mike? I actually want to I want to move that to another episode because I think we need to spend some time on that and. There's a bunch that needs to be covered, and I think in more detail. So let's let's table that and go into that in in the next episode. 
Well, since the parents one is up next in our tryout season series, we can go ahead and scoot that over. So unless you guys have anything else to add, um, I think I can wrap us up and get us out of here. Um, I got one more thing. Just like I said, have a plan, but also follow up regardless of your decisions or your plans or whatever it is. I will personally be the first to tell you that this this past season, I did not do a very good job of that. I dropped the ball. Um, and didn't get back to every single one that I would have liked to because I do appreciate their time. But um, you need to set some time aside to communicate to each player and their family that came out, whether you're extending an offer to the team and open practice or or if it's a no, give them some sort of positive feedback to work with. Uh, for sure. Um, ownership, Coach Jess, I like it. Hey, accountability, man. That's what it's all about. Working on it. Always trying to get better. Coach Heather, can you top that? I'll just, I'll just echo that. It'll go a long way, especially to the players that you you might think that you really want. Um, follow up, even if even if you, at the after at the tryout or the open practice, you you maybe even gave them an offer, had a conversation. Just follow up later, next day, a couple of days later. Just follow up, and it doesn't have to be high pressure or anything. Just just knowing that. Uh, as a parent, um, knowing that the coach took the time to, you know, send you a quick text or, or give you a quick phone call, it go it means a lot and it'll go a long way. Well, and as we always talk about, the softball community is small. So I'm like, hey, I, I you know, it wasn't a good fit, but I appreciate them reaching out maybe down the line. Um, so again, um, ladies, I'm going to wrap us up. But first and foremost, before we wrap it up, I'd like to thank everyone for like really sharing and liking and and subscribing to all of our content across all of our social media platforms. Like we really do appreciate it. And we have began to really see it in the numbers and it's, it's very exciting for us. So thank you guys for that. And in that note, I would like to continue to encourage you to like subscribe and share across all social media platforms. Because again, every time you guys do that really does help us out. Um, it really gives us direction and kind of lets us know where we need to improve at and where we may need to look at a little further in depth. So the next time we're with you guys, it will be on episode number 37. It'll be our final part in our three-part tryout season series entitled Parents, where we'll wrap up on some of the other stuff we talked about getting into the next episode that pertains to the parents and planets after the tryouts. Um, but until next time, it, it's me again, Mike, here with Coach Heather and Coach Jess on the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great rest of your day. We'll be with you again shortly.